0: On this episode of Writing Tandem,
1: I wonder what it would look like if we could mobilize an army of leaders that measured success by the impact we have on the hearts of other individuals.
2: Hi there, this is your host Vivian and you're listening to Writing Tandem, a podcast that is all things business, entrepreneurship, and the secrets to operating a successful business while still having a life you love. Whether you're a business owner on the verge of taking that side hustle to the next level or just curious about the world of entrepreneurship, join me as I go behind the scenes of my own business and the businesses of others, unpacking some of the most valuable lessons you can apply today. Let's dive in. Welcome back to this episode of Writing Tandem. So glad that you're joining us again this week. I have a fabulous guest. All of the guests are fabulous, but then I'm like, now we have a fabulous guest again. This is um, Casey Putney, and he is a John Maxwell certified leadership coach, speaker, and trainer. I've had the pleasure of taking some of Casey's trainings and loved them, went home, raved about it, and was like, I have to know this fellow more. And so I made sure to get an email and just started harassing him a bit with questions. Um, But Casey has led leadership development programs and teams, um, both within the for-profit and nonprofit sector, which I think gives you, Casey, a wide range of expertise. So I'm excited just to be talking with you about that. And he also has 25 years um, of dedicating himself to just the study and implementation of leadership and the principles behind them and just helping to create cultures that we want to be part of which is amazing work. And so I'm thrilled and honored to have you here today. Well, thank you so
1: much. Yes. Good to be here.
2: Yes. So I thought if we could just dive right into the deep stuff.
1: Oh, okay. Is that okay? Sure.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. So I've been, um, I should probably, I'm going to give a little background real quick here. Okay. One of the things I set up for myself this year was my own kind of leadership program for myself, because I just think it's an important topic. And I immediately knew that I wanted to ask you, Casey, if you would be a mentor of mine, and you accepted. And so we've had some chats around these topics, and I've really appreciated that. And so I just wanted to point that out first. Like, we've talked on this podcast before about the importance of having good support system mentors, and you're one of those people for me. So thanks for doing that.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. I I think, um, in all honesty, I, I think you and Michaela are kind of that for... Uh, for me as well. And, and I'm sure we'll get into this. I, I recently walked away from corporate America. Yes. Uh, kind of started my own consulting, uh, business still sounds a little bit odd. So great. Uh, to say that, but you know, I, I remember out of a, I think I stopped by your guys' office and was talking to you guys for a little bit. And, and you said to me like, Hey, you, you just need, maybe you just need a cheerleader. Like mm-hmm. let me let me just be your cheerleader and just encourage you because I was being honest about you know some some of the voices you hear in your head telling you that you won't be successful or just those fears absolutely and 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 Michaela even I remember she looked at me and and she said what are you talking about and I said what well, thinking about doing my own thing and, and she said uh, yeah why haven't you started yet <laughs> right um, so I I think you know you guys are a part of my story as well so I I just. Uh, I certainly appreciate you guys as well.
2: That's good. It's relationships is what it's all about in the end. I think we're going to end up talking about that today, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely.
2: Which it does lead me to this first deep question, okay?
1: Okay. You're Uh, scaring me. No, no, no. Deep question. Deep Deep, question. All right. Let's see what we got. You're like,
2: this is not a deep question. For for the fellow who's an expert in leadership, you're like, this is 101, Vivian. Let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. So we've talked about this a bit before, but the workplace appears to be one of the best places for people collectively to address some of the biggest challenges our communities face. Because when we think about it, our workplaces, whether we're the owner of the workplace or we find ourselves working for a work in in a work environment, we spend most of our time there for most of us, unless we've retired. And even if we've retired, we have spent the majority of our life in a work environment, around a team. And so when we talk about how can we address some of the biggest challenges of the community, it appears that that could be done within the workplace. And I wonder how business owners can hold that responsibility
1: well. Well, I I agree with you. Um, But I also think like uh, if you look at a business almost like a human being, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what you first have to do is be aware of your potential. I'm not sure that businesses are aware of their true potential. I don't don't Mm -hmm. think if you go and talk to many business owners or CEOs or whatever the case may be at these different organizations, I don't think they see themselves as a conduit to creating social change and creating communities. Um, I don't think they see the connection between what they do every single day and how the cultures that they create to how someone performs as a mother and a father. Mm. I don't think they see those connections. So I think that's a piece of it is we need to educate businesses and the leaders within these organizations to understand that the impact you're having goes far beyond um, certainly, you know the financial implications. Um, I think businesses do th- see themselves sometimes as uh, having an impact on the community, but they it doesn't go past employment
2: or maybe like a table sponsorship,
1: a, a table sponsorship, or even just donating money to uh, big, huge endeavors uh, within the community. and And, and I don't want to minimize that. That's mm-hmm. that's huge. I mean, you look at some of the things. Uh, in the Omaha community, and you wouldn't have that without organizations like Union Pacific and Keywood who donate so much money. But man, there's more. There's more impact that we can have than just uh, building some of those buildings.
2: Would you explore that a bit with me, what we're talking about here? What kind of impact is happening in the workplace that then trickles out back into the community or could be happening? And I I guess I would back up on my own question and say, so often we're told, leave it at the door, right? And I just don't know if that is, I don't know if that's a good thing to tell people, well, we leave personal at the door. When you're here, it's all work and productivity and a little a little good culture and some pizza parties, maybe. And then, and then you just go back home.
1: Yeah, I think it's absolute nonsense uh, to think that we could ever do that. Um, to think that, That we are not bringing into the work environment everything that's happening in our personal life is ridiculous. And to think then that the things that are happening in our personal life aren't affecting and impacting our personal, Mm -hmm. I think is just a misstep. I think think we're trying to create this place where, you know, we don't have to talk about some of the tough issues that are happening. But leaders, we got to step up. We have to step into this role and understand that as a leader, you have a responsibility to that person. And sometimes you're going to have to have conversations with them um, that are more personal in nature. At least that's my brand of leadership. I've I've studied it for a little bit. I have found it to work for me. You know, when I I started looking at leadership, it was very much uh, there was these hard lines, Mm. right? Like leave your personal life at home. Here we're here to do work, and um, I just don't believe it works. I don't. I don't believe that human beings are created that way. Now, there's certainly it's a spectrum, right? It's a sliding scale for every individual, and as a leader, you have to figure out what that scale looks like for each person that you're leading. But to think that those are two separate entities, I think um, I don't think it does us any justice whatsoever.
2: Do you think that all business owners? are by like default leaders? Or do they recognize? Do they have to recognize it first? Or can you be leading but just not aware of it? What does that look like for a business owner?
1: Yeah, so I think um, you know, you've, come, you've heard me speak now several times, and I, I say leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. So if you have influence with another human being, you're a leader. It really doesn't matter
0: hmm.
1: if you're a business owner or if you're a part-time employee. If you have influence, you hold a position of leadership. Now, the next question is, does your influence make people better or does it damage? Right? That, that's the next question that we have, we have to answer. So I, I, think, I think it all comes back to that influence that you have with folks Um, even if you have influence over one individual, you are a leader. Whether you're a mother, a father, a business owner, a part-time employee, a volunteer, if you have influence, you have the responsibility of leadership in your life.
2: Yeah, I agree. And it's one of the things that I've just felt really passionate about lately. Yeah. And you mentioned it right at the beginning of, I'm not sure that a lot of business owners realize the, um, the gift of the role that they can play by stepping into good leadership and and being influence because you're already influencing, right? You are influencing your employees, you're influencing your clients or your contractors, that is happening. But I, I agree I think there needs to be some self-awareness there and then going, okay, now how do I do this well?
1: My goodness, uh, do you know what a gift and honor it is to impact the life of another human being. I think we say that in passing as people and we don't truly understand what a great and magnificent gift it is to truly have a positive impact on just one person's life. If you live your whole life, you live 80 years and you have one positive impact, you save one person's life. You help one marriage. You help one individual reach for their potential. I mean, what a what a wonderful life! So I I think we run from this. This this really wonderful responsibility and gift of leadership, and in doing so, we're missing so many opportunities to impact the lives of other people.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I love this. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to take devil's advocate here for a second.
1: How did I do with the deep question? You're great. Did I? Yeah. All right, good.
2: Yeah, you're doing, yeah. I, all the questions are deep. I forgot to tell you.
1: <laughs> oh, folks, I did not know what the deep question was. She surprised me with it.
2: <laughs> that was good. What about the the people who say, right, but I'm here to run a business. I'm not a mm-hmm. therapist. I didn't start a nonprofit. Um, I'm a for for-profit business, and I don't have time to hold everyone's hand or to hear everyone's troubles. And I just need it done. I just need the work done. Especially think, well, I don't know if that's true, but I'll just say I've experienced as a small business owner, there is a little bit of like, if we don't do this, we can't stop, right? We don't get a check. And then what kind of leader am I if I can't pay you? And so I feel like there's this tug of war sometimes of how do we, lead well, speak into people, meet them where they're at, and at the same time go, and we have to meet our metrics, and we need to make a profit, and stuff needs done now?
1: The best you can. The best you can. It's not one or the other, I don't think. I don't feel that it's one or the other. I feel like neither one works without the other. If I create an organization um, that's totally focused on structure and process where we, we have to get all of these tasks done, I pay no attention to how I make people feel. Um, what what I'm going to find is I'm constantly hiring.
2: Mm-hmm. The turnover.
1: I'm constantly hiring. You know, I, I think I spoke with an HR person here the other day. I think they told me it's, it's roughly $20,000 in corporate world to hire a new employee. When you think about uh, advertising costs, the hours that you lose through interviews and reviewing applications, training, and so forth. Mm-hmm. So so if I focus only on processes, that's my life. I lose, I lose experience. I lose buy-in. Yeah, I'm getting processes done clumsily, but I would say that your quality is sacrificed because you have a new person doing the task on a regular basis. But likewise, mm-hmm. if I create a culture, Vivian, where you and I are happy every single day, but I pay no attention to the structure and the processes, we're going to be the happiest unemployed people <laughs> you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. right it's it's not one or the other we we i think we have to stop as people creating these these lines of thinking that it's one or the other it's yes or no the truth is somewhere in balance right i think that's true for politics it's true for just about everything stop if we could just learn to live in this in this world of balance a little more i think there's going to be times where as a leader you're going to have to focus on structure and process because everyone's laughing and having a great time, but we're not getting any work done. So we're going to have to bring the team together and say, hey, listen, team, we got to get focused, man. We got we to we add some structure to the work that we're doing. We're not meeting our metrics. We didn't sell this, this month. We, we didn't do all of these different things. That conversation, how successful that conversation goes will be based on the relationships that you built with the individuals beforehand.
2: Yeah, how deep is that well, essentially? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I I use the analogy like a bank.
0: Hmm.
1: right? I think you make a deposit. Every time you have a positive interaction with someone in your life as a leader, you're making a deposit into that bank. There's going to come a time where you're going to have to make a withdrawal. Mm -hmm. Where you're going to have to make a withdrawal and say, hey, guess what? We're working longer hours today hey, guess what? We're not getting this pay increase. Hey, guess what? Uh, no, more, no more joking and all this kind of stuff. We got to get down to business. Those are all withdrawals. We're going through tough times. Those are all withdrawals. People are more ready to live in those withdrawals when you still have a positive uh, balance inside that relationship bank account. The problem is, is that we become overdrawn. Because as business owners and and I'll use in air quotes the word leader inside of the work environment, we're constantly making withdrawals. Mm-hmm. We're constantly asking for more: give me more time, give me more energy, give me more ideas. Sacrifice, 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 sacrifice. But we're not making any deposits. That creates this. Uh, that creates a really big problem for us inside the organization. So I think it's it's those it's a balance, right? of structure and relationships.
2: Well, I agree again. I'm just gonna agree the whole way. I agree, I agree, sign off, sign off. (laughs) I'll let you know when I disagree. Okay. Um, I'm thinking about this bank account analogy and what's happening with inside the business and then I think, okay, and then what happens because we spend most of our time in our business, either running it or working it, we spend most of our lives there unless you're living in a camper van which I'm all about that too. Yeah. And then you go out into the community. Yeah. You go out into your home, you're with a spouse or a partner, you're with children, you're with neighbors, you're at clubs, you're maybe in, you know, places of worship or you, you go to games, etc. So if you're have a depleted bank account in your work environment, so I, I as a leader have depleted them and then I send them home. Like what am I doing? Like what is that doing to our communities? And that's that's where my brain goes as I go, huh, interesting. This isn't just about the business thriving and then and then sucking people dry, even right. unintentionally, even kindly. I think you can suck people dry kindly, yeah, or have meant to be kind, even yeah. though it's not real kind. When they go home and they're depleted. And how do they, you know, treat the spouse? They're exhausted. Like can they show up well for them or? Can they show up well and they're volunteering? Maybe they won't even volunteer at all. I just think about those things.
1: Yeah, I think there's a difference. You touch on a couple things there. I, I think there's a difference from intentionally hurting someone mm-hmm. and not purposely adding value to them. Mm. Those are two different things, for sure. So you have some leaders that are in, that are just that are demonstrative. That yeah. they're just jerks. Yeah, man, they're just a pain to work with, right? Sure. You don't want to work with them. They're 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 angry at the world, and so they're angry at you.
2: Mm-hmm. Or living in scarcity, and yeah. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. just. They're,
1: what is that saying? Right, hurting people hurt people, mm-hmm. and they're hurting in some fashion. But and that's certainly horrible. But then there's also leadership, um, where every single day you're not, you're just purposely not. You, you just don't think about adding value to people. You're a great person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you're not thinking about the role and the responsibility that you have. To truly impact the lives of other of other people, and and I think those are two different things with similar impacts. One may be a little bit more aggressive, mm-hmm. um, and then the impact on society. You ask a great question: What are we doing? Um, you know, I, I I worked at I worked at an organization um, that was a really tough a tough culture. Now, uh, I, I studied I've studied leadership for quite some time, and and maybe we'll get into that, mm-hmm. but. Um, I, I, I went into this culture with really high hopes. I was excited. I thought it was going to be fantastic. Um, come to find out, my my supervisor was was we just didn't click. We just didn't see things the same way. I was eventually asked to do some things that um, were against my values, that were unethical to me. The way we treated people wasn't I didn't agree with. Now I want to say this. I, I, I tried to connect with my leader in every way. I, I did it through phone, email, text, face-to-face. Uh, I created PowerPoints. I did everything <laughs> you can imagine to try and connect. I even said, uh, because there was really a culture of mistrust and damage being done to employees throughout the entire culture. And I said, listen, we are not on the same page. If we can figure out how to work together, if we can figure out, how to have conversations and build relationships with one another? We can create a blueprint for everyone inside the organization. It just it just didn't work. Hmm. Um, I would go in and hear one thing inside the office. i um, think, okay, man, maybe we just made the turn, and I would go home, and um, or, or or go out, and, and within you know a day or two, I would hear something totally different. It just it just wasn't working well. Now, um, I became disenchanted um i i was hurting i was frustrated my my work productivity uh just dropped through the floor i i i wasn't creative i um it was a struggle to come to work right i drove to work frustrated and i drove home angry mm. um that was my life and it was impacting me at home my wife at the same time went away on a trip to florida she called it a sabbatical uh, she went away on this trip by herself, and um, she had a wonderful time. She's walking the beaches of Florida, sending me videos. I'm <laughs> at work, absolutely miserable. She says, "Hey, you know, having a great time in Florida," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's fantastic." Thanks, babe. Yeah, thanks. Love you too. <laughs> uh, she comes home and she says, "You, you gotta get away. You need to take some time for yourself." She saw it. Yeah. She saw that I was, I was struggling. Um, Now I'm, I, 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 I'm not ready to spend the money to go to Florida. So I just got a hotel about 20 minutes away and I, I locked myself away for like five days. Okay. Now my wife and my kids are all about it. They bought me gift cards for restaurants. They bought me a journal. They bought me all these things because they saw that I was struggling. Hmm. They saw I was struggling. So I locked myself away inside of this hotel, no TV. I just read, uh, uh, thought about some things, and did some praying, wrote some things down. And as I came out of the hotel, um, I realized that we're all looking for the same thing. The reason I was unhappy, the reason I was struggling, the reason so many people were struggling. We all desire, and deserve, by the way, to be valued, respected, appreciated, and heard. Valued respected, appreciated and heard. I would challenge that in any relationship you've had, whether it's personal or professional, if it's if it's if it's fallen on hard times, it was because there was an interruption or an affront on one or more of those feelings you did not feel or the other person did not feel valued, respected, appreciated and heard. So I think that's our challenge inside of our organizations as leaders, as coworkers, as teammates. How do we help other people feel valued, respected, appreciated, and heard? And to your point, when we do so, yes, budgets will be balanced and innovations will happen and errors will decrease and safety will increase. Uh, The organizational culture will be uh, at a place you never imagined. But even more than that, you send people home happy and healthy, better prepared to reach their potential as mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, partners, whatever relationship they may they may fill inside of their homes, their churches, their nonprofits, their volunteer activities. You truly have an opportunity to impact community as a whole when you get the culture right at work. We have people inside our organizations for eight hours a day Exactly. At a minimum. Like, I think we're foolish to think that's not impacting those other hours of the day. That's truly, to me, the power of what we see inside our organizational cultures.
2: Yeah. Preach it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's the thing that sticks out to me there about that is we have an opportunity within our businesses to model Mm. those key things that you mentioned. I want to dive into each one of those here in a minute but we have an opportunity to model each one of those things and give them a blueprint like you were trying to do in your story that you shared so that then it makes our business thrive. That's great, right? As a business owner, I want that. But now we've modeled that well for eight hours, eight hours plus. I mean, you know, sometimes we're in our work environments 10, 12 hours, high intensity, right? But now we've seen that modeled among our team and from our leaders and we go home and a byproduct is I've seen that modeled huh value respected appreciated heard to my partner now value respected appreciated heard I've seen that done well over and over again and I just think that's one of the highest callings that we as business owners can step into and it's just so important for us to be aware of of that gift and to your point earlier Obviously, we don't want to intentionally be malicious. That's just bad. Don't be a jerk, right? Don't be a jerk. Yeah. But I think I'm speaking more to the majority of people out there who are stepping into business who went, who are thinking, I hadn't thought of it that way. Like, this is my opportunity. We sit around so often as people, don't we? And we just complain, oh, the school system, they, rah, 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 they should really take care of this. Or, man, the city government, they should da-da-da-da. I wish my neighbor would just, you know... Get It together, and I think to myself so often, why not instead go? Well, why don't I just model it really well? And people will start to see and they'll experience, and then they'll copy that. And when you're a business owner, you have influence over you know, maybe it's one person, maybe it's one contractor, but you know, some of these business owners out here they have 400, 500, 600 employees. Imagine modeling that, and then even if only half of the people. We're in. We're ready to pick it up and took it home, and it only worked a quarter of the time. It still would be exponentially insane, be amazing.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I love this podcast because y- you really speak to entrepreneurs um, in a way that I think is missed in in some of other podcasts. I wonder though if this message goes even beyond entrepreneurs. I think so. You know, I I just really started an entrepreneurial journey. Uh, I walked away from uh, corporate America here, what, a a month or two months ago? Yes. I I will tell you that it's been a slow burn for me in that I could tell you the journey to this point of my life started over 25 years ago. Mm. Um, So it wasn't this gradual awakening to entrepreneurship for me. It's been a long journey. I had to gain experience. I had to gain some knowledge. I had to go through some trials and tribulations uh, for me to be able to truly add value to people in the way that I want. Having said that, I'll say this. What I've stepped out to do is I've created this, this organization called the Engagement Institute. And it's truly about helping leaders drive engagement, Inside their organizations, to create cultures
0: mm-hmm.
1: where people can feel valued, respected, appreciated, and heard okay that that's one way to say it. Let me say this though because there's a larger vision, and the larger vision is to create a leadership movement a movement nationally i I'm at the risk of sounding a bit overdramatic i'm I'm leadership sad mm. I I think we find ourselves in a leadership crisis. We've lost faith in our leaders uh, inside of just about every industry you can think of, inside of schools, business, churches, you name it. We've lost faith in those leaders. It's time for us to step up. I don't want to wait on the politicians anymore. Yeah. I don't want to wait on the folks that are in these traditional positions of power. They've proven. At this point, at least, that they're not ready to step up to the responsibility. Mm. And that's not set out of anger, it's set out of desperation because people need leaders. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything. Uh, my mentor, John Maxwell, says that. I believe it to my core. Families, churches, everything you can think of uh, rises and falls on leadership to include our families, our communities our city, states, and certainly our country. I, I think it's time for us as, what do I, would I say regular folks, like regular people? I think like, we're
2: regular folks. I love yeah, it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To stand up, recognize our true potential as leaders. I want to awaken leaders, not just as business owners though. I want to awaken the leader that is uh, the doorman at an apartment complex. I want to awaken leaders that are maintenance folks. I want to awaken leaders in every industry and every walk of life to to understand that I'm not asking you to create a multi-million dollar business. Mm -hmm. What I'm asking you to do is positively impact the life of another human being. If each one of us can do that, if we can live a life that's focused on impacting someone else, um, then I believe we truly begin to drive significant change within our community.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I happen to find myself in the world of business, but I just had this conversation last night with a new, a new friend that I'm yeah. really excited about. It's so fun to meet new friends, especially in your adult life. Yeah. And she and I were sitting having a coffee and I was like, oh my gosh, she's a kindred spirit. But she also was challenging back to me. And she's like, are you more interested in leadership? Or are you more interested in self-awareness? And a byproduct is that people step into leadership, influence, having impact. And I was like, hmm, Hmm. I'm going to have to think about that. Because everything you just said, I think resonates so much with me. And I know it resonates with many out there that they can feel a nudge of there's something more and no matter what position I'm placed in or I find myself in, whether I'm Employed, or whether I'm stay-at-home mom, or I'm thinking about starting a business, or I've been in business for years, there is more, and I think entrepreneurs are already uniquely wired to be thinking. Hmm. I think I think there's something more. Yeah. yeah I think there's something more, and um, that's an just an exciting place to be. I'm excited for you to be embarking into entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, okay. I'm certainly, I'm certainly excited about it. I I think. I think I've made the decision right on time. I, I spent some time yesterday, actually, sitting down and thinking about, okay, are you late or are you early? Mm. And uh, I had to tell you, I'm, I think I'm right on time. Like with my personal journey, it's it's absolutely right on, right on time. And to your point, I think self-awareness, you can't be a leader without self-awareness. Yeah. Right. An unaware leader.
2: Not a good leader, at least. Yeah.
1: An unaware. You can have influence. For sure. But it's not good.
2: I want to explore how you arrived in your study of leadership. Yeah. Why have you, why have you made that your one thing? Yeah. But before we do, I'm just going to say real quick about the entrepreneurship thing. And you arrived right on time. Yeah. When you probably are five or six years in, that's when the, it'll start to shift and you'll get the bug of uh, Yesterday. Yesterday. I should have done this yesterday. Like, yeah. Just because, you know, you're always like, more and more, we could do this, we could do that. So I, I had an internal chuckle where I was like, right on time for now. But <laughs> you just wait. Yeah. As these ideas start coming in, you're like, I sh- we need to do that yesterday. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how did you land in this whole world of leadership and training people and coaching people and being so passionate about
1: it? Great question. Uh, I, I discovered leadership when i I joined the the Air Force i was I was twenty three years old and lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do i had uh, I struggled in high school had two senior years mainly because i didn't go um, so then i i I went in and enrolled in college because that's what you're supposed to do. The only college that would take me was a junior college. Um, I, I, I flunked out of there. Some folks will say they dropped out or they quit. No, I flunked out. I got a lot of Fs and I deserved every single one of them because I didn't go.
0: Mm.
1: I was just lost. I did not know what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be. And I fell in love, uh, to a young lady who is now my wife of 29 years. It's awesome. Yes. She is, uh, she's absolutely fabulous. She, She gave my life some meaning, which caused me to try to find direction. Hmm. I I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, I knew that I had to make a change.
2: Hey there, busy to the brim people. Are you feeling overwhelmed with your social media? Well, you're not alone. It's a common challenge in our digital world. Creating social content can be a tricky beast to tame for people like you and I. So I'm popping into my own podcast to tell you that there is a solution and it's called a social psychic. This isn't just a typical social media content service we offer a partnership through Tandemworks and our team to take your social media from overwhelming to extraordinary. Having a social sidekick is a game changer for your business. Imagine having a 12-month custom strategy tailored to your brand content that's done for you that truly resonates with your audience and growth tactics that actually work for Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. With a social sidekick, you get more than just posts. We're very committed to that. You get a partnership. We're here to help manage your social media with a personal touch, ensuring your message is not just heard, but felt. So if you're ready to take your social media from overwhelming to outstanding, I'd love for you to visit the website, thetandemworks.com social dash sidekick dash content dash creation. Don't worry, there's a link in the show notes. And you can discover there how a social sidekick can transform your digital presence. Let's make your digital presence as impactful as your business with a social sidekick, where we're amplifying your story one post at a time.
1: The vision, the, the life that I saw for us was not going to happen uh, with how we were living. We were, we were living in St. Louis and uh, we were living in a pretty rough neighborhood, no locks on the doors. Uh, I worked for our landlord to try to keep our rent down. She worked two jobs. We had no food, no furniture. We slept on the floor. It w- it was not a great experience. I looked around. I heard a whisper inside of me though saying that you could be more. Hmm. You you you're better than this. There's more for you. Not more for me in terms of stacks of wealth, uh, just just a different kind of life. So I joined the military. Um, it was that or become a truck driver. I didn't know which one I wanted to do. I was afraid that being a truck driver uh, would keep me away from home too much. That shows you the quality of my decision making. So instead I chose the military in which I would travel all over the world.
2: Yeah. Log- logical choice there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so I joined the military and uh, 23 years old, so a little bit older. Most folks that join are 18. Right out of high school, I had been hungry, right? I, I had experienced what it meant to to go hungry and not have bills and to, to sleep on floors. And so I approached it with a little different uh, um, ideas and passion, maybe. Mm-hmm. My first supervisor was named Rick Rigsby. And on my performance feedback, he wrote, Casey is a leader among his peers, and I thought, whoa, what does that mean? I had no idea. No one had ever accused me of being a leader before. <laughs> uh, I wasn't the most upstanding citizen as, as, a young, as a young kid. I hung around a rough group of people. We made bad decisions and leader. I went to him and I said, uh, you know, Sergeant Rigsby, what in the world does this mean? He says, you don't know. I said, no. And he gave me the greatest gift he'd ever given me. He said to me, go figure it out. And he challenged me to go get a book from the library on leadership. I don't think I did it. I got an article. I was intimidated steps. by books, right?
2: Steps. Fine. So I,
1: but I began to read about leadership and I would go back to him and we would talk about what I was learning. Um, we would sit and watch other leaders communicate to their teams. And he would say, now, do you see how the team reacted? Do you see the language you used? Are you paying attention to this? Are you paying attention to that? What he created for me was uh, I I view the world through a lens of leadership. When I watch a movie, I'm looking for leadership principles. When I read a book, I'm looking for leadership principles, fiction or non. I'm looking for leadership principles. If I go to a store, I watch management. I'm looking for leadership principles. I pay attention to how people at the door greet the customers when they, when they walk in. That's just, that's just how Sergeant Rigsby built me. So that, that study of leadership continued. I eventually began to get teams that I was responsible for, and I would begin to implement and try these things that I was reading about. And I learned that, oh, wait, not everything these so-called experts say works for me. So I would I would hold on to the things that worked, and I would throw away the things that didn't. And I just did that over my professional career. Along the way, I took a job where I was training folks, and I fell in love with being in front of a classroom and helping people reach this, this place of awareness, enlightenment, learning something new, right, where this light bulb goes off and this aha moment happens. Then I began teaching leadership in front of the classroom. That felt good. So I began to study people that speak. How do these people stand up in front of these people? How do they control a room? How do they do all of these different things? And I combined those two and and really created this career as I retired from the military, where I would lead teams um, that developed and delivered leadership training new higher training, and so forth. When I retired from the military, I went to work for the uh, Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services. I oversaw all of their technical training and supervisory development. And and that was really the career that I was moving forward, all the way to the point now my passion was always leadership and supervisory training, but I still did a lot of technical stuff, all the way till I found myself in that hotel room. And part of the thing I wrote in my journal was, my life will be about leadership from this day forward. And I've never had a technical training job again. It's always been about supervisors and leadership training. In fact, while I was in that hotel room and I wrote in my notebook, my life will be about leadership, I got a call or an email from a company that was interested in me coming to work for them to teach nothing but leadership and supervisor training. It was really... um, Goosebumps. Kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. but So my whole life since joining the military has been around, since Sergeant Rigsby spoke to me about leadership, has been about studying leadership. Why is it important to me? Because it changed my life. I studied leadership, but I experienced it. Rick Rigsby poured into me he He took time to mentor me. He cared about me. He talked to me he taught me he He picked me up when I fell down and and he taught me lessons when I failed and he celebrated with me when I succeeded and he took this twenty three year old kid that had zero level of responsibility that at that point really did not know what it meant to care about anyone else you have to understand before joining I had lied cheated or stole from everyone in my life I I just I didn't have values I, I, I didn't I didn't understand what it meant to truly serve other people and care about impacting their life it was all about me he taught me something different. His, his approach to leadership absolutely changed my life. Any life I impact today is, is, is directly traced back to Rick Rigsby and, and how he impacted my life. That's what I want for all of us. I, I want you to impact lives. And I want someone down the road to say to you, hey, you know, someone told me that I changed their life, and I want you to know it's because you changed mine. I think that's the highest reward. What are we here for? What are we here for if we're not here to help one another, mm-hmm. if we're not here to impact the lives of others? Uh, that's that's why leadership means um, so much to me.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. It is. Uh, I remember you telling the story before and I think you started off with and it just I thought of it again like it's such a love story yeah you know and I, obviously you have the love of your life your your wife there but there is this thread of love that I think comes through all the way to the very end there of, you know th- what is the purpose of why we're here and and I wrote down on my notes here that's what I want to be as a business owner I want to be Rick Rigsby mm. and that's my hope and deepest desire that anyone who comes into contact with me and our business has some some profound nugget they take away. And maybe they don't end up on a podcast, you know, tying it all the way back. But I could think of people like that in my life. And I've also tried to make a point now that I'm more aware about that, if they are still living, to let them know that they had that impact. Um, because it can be a hard and lonely path at times, and so to hear that I think is huge. So to be a Rick Rigsby, one of, one of the, well, four things you identified was valued, respected, appreciated, and heard. Would you walk me through each one of those and just what do you mean by valued, respected, appreciated, heard? What are we talking about there?
1: Yeah, it's a great Back question, and, and I think today, if I were to be honest with you, I'd be prepared to talk to you about one and maybe two of them. Perfect. There's a couple that I think I'm still working on. Like I have a general understanding, but I'm trying to go deeper with them. So, for instance, valued. When I started trying to understand what in the world does it mean to be valued, right? I had this this image. Uh, You have to understand, I come from, I, I was raised in Southern Missouri. So Saint Louis and south into these towns called Cape Girardeau and Sykeston and um, and down there muscle cars are everything. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, old muscle cars are all over the place. So I want you to think about a person. Uh, most of us can relate to this. We know of someone that's into uh, something that they truly are passionate about, like like antique cars. Think of a person that that's got an old Camaro. And you know how they treat it. I mean, they're out there. I mean, come on, right? They're they're washing that thing, <laughs> they're waxing that mm-hmm. thing. They know they know every inch of that car, right? Uh it shines. Oh, are you kidding me? They walk in the garage and sense of pride. I mean, they're they're looking at it, man, and they're admiring it and they see a little bit of dust on it. They go over, they wipe it down, they back it out very carefully on the weekend. They're shining it up and they they drive it through town so everybody can look at it. They're very, very proud of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They park, right? You ever paid attention to this? They park at the oh, back, way end, in the back, <laughs> at the back end of the parking lot uh, to protect it, so nobody damages it and no one hurts it. If if someone were to come up and park right next to it, they're gonna come out and move it away from them. Uh, they put a car cover over it. They take it to car shows. Why? Because they value it. Now, certainly there's, there's a monetary value mm-hmm. to that car, but anyone that's known someone that cares about those things, you know, it goes way beyond monetary. They value that car. It's a piece of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What if we looked at human beings that way? What if we looked at the people that we work with every day, truly value them? Like what if we what if we truly valued the individuals that are in our lives, our spouses, the people that we're in business with? What if we valued them the same way that these individuals value these cars, where we, we really study them, like we really look at them not as someone that we, we, we have to put up with, not as someone that we endure, but some, someone we truly cherish. Someone that's an absolute gift to us. You look at a person that has these antique cars, uh, they could give you a list of things the car doesn't have that they wish it did, but they don't pay attention to that. They pay attention to what the car does have. What if we looked at human beings the same way? We're so quick to focus on the things that you don't offer me. Hmm. We're so quick to pay attention to the things that frustrate me, the things you don't give to me. Instead, I would challenge us to try to create a, an awareness, of a, a, a pattern of living where you focus on the things that truly add value to you. How wonderful of a blessing is it to have that individual in your life and cherish them, right? Polish them, take care of them, uh, brag about them.
0: Mm,
2: I love that.
1: Talk to people about how wonderful they are. Talk to a person that owns a 69 Camaro. They'll tell you everything about that Camaro.
2: Oh, and the pictures come out and swipe through 100 on the album on the phone.
1: Yeah. How many were built and all of these different things. And half of us don't even know the favorite color of a person we spend eight hours with. Hmm.
2: That's, I mean, silly and profound at the same time.
1: Yeah. And it's meant to be a a bit silly. But my goodness gracious. Right. That's what valuing people means. And I think if we go too crazy with it, like if I were to tell you that valuing people is this really huge calculus equation, folks at home, you would look at, you'd listen to this podcast and be like, there's no way I can do that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a really great idea, Casey. Sounds nice. Yeah, sounds nice. But I can't do that. But I'm telling you, you can. I'm not giving you anything that's too crazy. It's literally just getting out of our own way and changing the way we view people a little bit and understand that they're truly a gift. They're truly a blessing in our lives. Um, that's not to say that we won't get frustrated. We won't, we won't get angry. We won't have hard times. It's about being able to return, though, to the mindset that we want to live in a little bit quicker than maybe we, we do normally.
2: It makes me think of, because I am. I immediately start going, oh, but what about this? And how, and I just can hear people, right? Yeah. And especially as you grow a team and just the demands of, yeah, I felt like I could do that when there were five. Now there's 20, now there's 40, now there's 50. My business is scaling, which I'm excited about, right? But now how do I do that? I feel like I used to be able to, and now I can't. I can imagine people thinking that, and it just made me think about, too, how to value people in hard times when there is unpleasantness. Like there's a way, for example, I love your example of talking about them. Man, how awesome is that, right? When somebody hears you talk about them, someone on your team, you're at a networking event. It's not all about you. you You applaud the person who, you know was amazing or pulled through or did this great. or it's just really cool, right? And, but then I also think about being valued even when you have to let somebody go. And I think that's hard. That's really hard work. And I have experienced being let go and still feeling valued. And I know that was really hard for that business owner to do. And, but it has stuck with me. That he took the time to make sure I still felt valued while letting me go.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I, I've unfortunately uh, been in organizations where they had to let people go. And I think I've done it both ways. I, I think and I often say that you can even let people go and, and value them, respect them, appreciate them, and hear them. And, and I've been able to do it, and I I failed. In doing it. And um, I can tell you, um, it certainly impacts them in a different way, but it impacts you as well. Mm -hmm. It impacts you as the person that has to have those tough conversations.
2: Absolutely does. Yeah. You mentioned there were maybe two that you felt good talking about today. Was there another one?
1: Well, I think, I think heard. Mm -hmm. Right. I think, I think heard is so important. And, and I, and when I created, when I start, start, first started writing these things down, valued, respected, appreciated, and heard, I trademarked it in those, in those, in that pattern.
2: Smart move.
1: Yeah, uh, everyone told me to. Um, I, I actually wish I had put heard first.
2: Ah, oh, tell me why.
1: Because I think um, everything begins with the way we communicate. Right. You you said as we started this, uh, we're going to talk a lot about relationships. Everything we have in life comes down to conversations and relationships. I challenge you. I challenge anyone. Figure out how you get any level of success and happiness without conversations and relationships. It's a, it's a, it, they're core. They're a foundation to our life. And I think so often uh, we have a huge misunderstanding about what it means to communicate we we think communicating is about talking we think communicating is about imparting our wisdom and imparting our ideas and 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 and, 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 and our feelings onto others when really i i think uh, to be successful as a leader and impact the lives of others you got to listen this isn't rocket science. I'm not the first person saying this. Uh, if anything, i'm just I'm just wanting to give you a gentle nudge and say, uh, listen, listen more than you speak. and And I think that's contrary to what society tells you. I think society is all about you being the one that's voicing everything. That's what social media is all about. There's no app on social media where you gain followers by listening. Right, It's all about you providing content and you speaking and you entertaining and you giving wisdom and knowledge and so forth. But true relationships are built on your ability to listen. Your ability to listen to what truly matters um, to the individual that's across from you. I think you understand them at a level unlike um, you're able to do when all you're doing is, is, talking, is talking to them. There's a piece I teach about brain science. You've went through that, that session, I think, right?
2: I think so. Tell, unpack it.
1: Um, and, well, it's very much, I call it a listening course. Because it's very much about listening to the individuals that are sitting in front of you. Oftentimes, what they hear is not what you intended to say. Right? They, they hear things based off of their past experiences, their past hurts. Uh, their past frustrations and failings. So oftentimes we'll come up with a wonderful idea. And I'll say, Hey, Vivian, I think this is going to be a fabulous idea. We're going to launch this thing. It's going to be great. And you look at me and you say, Horrible idea. I don't want anything to do with this. Uh, I don't, uh, uh, that thing is going to fail. I want nothing to do with it. One of the worst ideas I've ever heard. I then normally react to that and say, Hey, what the heck? Right? Don't be that way. Mm-hmm. Like, we can do this. But instead, if I listen, I listen to what you're saying, and I ask, ask a couple questions. Why do you feel that way? What's going on? Where are you coming from? Oftentimes, what we find out is if we really listen to folks, is their reaction to us oftentimes has nothing to do with what's being said in the moment. It has everything to do with what they've experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. Well, Casey, you may say. I've tried something like this before, and it failed. Three people lost their jobs. I had to let them go. That's a pain that I carry with me today. I don't want to go through that again. So your reaction to what I'm saying has truly nothing to do with me. Sure. It has everything to do with what you've experienced in the past. And folks, don't think that's not true in your personal relationships as well. Oftentimes we react to what people tell us based off of these emotional scars or damage that we have from past relationships and past experiences. And um, the person that's in front of us sometimes has to carry that. The leader has to carry that sometimes. Um, So I, I just think as a leader, not being so responsive, not being so quick to respond verbally, and truly listen to what people are saying really takes your relationship to a, whole, to a whole new level. I can tell you, when I get things right in my marriage, I'm listening more than I'm speaking.
0: Hmm.
1: I say things to my wife. My wife may be offended. And when I get it right, I listen and I ask questions. Okay, what did you hear me say? What, what are you hearing? How did that make you feel? When I get it wrong, I'm doing all the talking. I'm trying to find the right combination of words to put them together that's going to ha- make her have some kind of magical awakening to understand that, oh, Casey's been right this whole time and I've been wrong. Um, when I get it wrong, I'm the one doing all the talking. When I get it right, I'm listening to try to understand what impact my words had, whether they had the intended meaning or whether they didn't.
2: This is, I think, a golden nugget right here. Yeah. Among many golden nuggets. Yeah. And as you we were talking, I was thinking, wow, in some ways, this is a great tool, if you will, to put in your tool belt. When I was <laughs> a client the other day was just talking about, you know, pitching some ideas to their team, to their managers, and didn't get the reaction they were hoping for. Yeah. And I love the idea of it's okay and there's a good responsibility to come back, even though you're not, you're leading in this moment, even though you're not the manager, you're leading in this moment to say, oh, why do you have that reaction? Or where's the roadblock for you versus just, you know, maybe shutting down or going, oh, it must have been a bad idea or, well, that's just, you know, how they are, whatever the, the multiple reactions could happen there. So just thinking about it from that perspective as well, you know, we've been talking about just personally stepping up into leadership, whether you find yourself as the owner, or the manager, or not. What a great tool to use that, again, models. Well, let me hear you out on it. And, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about, and I've talked about it myself, of managing up. Yeah. That you, it is okay to take a leadership role with the leader. Yeah. You know, and, and to manage up and to advocate well, so because it serves them well. Help them unpack that. And it might help you have a better understanding and go, you know, now that I think about it, let me come back at you with a different solution. Or, okay, now that we've unpacked that, let me present a way that this could work, and you might help move them towards the goal that you had. It's very interesting.
1: Yeah, Well, I also think it's, you've used this word several times in our conversation about modeling. Mm. Think about what you're modeling there. Yeah, exactly. As, as a, let's say you're the, traditional leader of the team you come up with this this idea these thoughts and you don't get the reaction you want you can model to folks how you handle that Mm. and in doing so you're growing other leaders right like i i sometimes
2: hopefully do that back to you
1: yeah, yeah i feel like sometimes we create this image that there's one leader
2: yes absolutely
1: and i think you need to have leaders throughout your organization Right. No. If anyone knows of an organization that has failed because they had too many leaders, uh, please reach out to me and let me know (laughs) what that organization is. We'll put your
2: email and everything.
1: Yeah. I've never I've never heard of that. Right. I've heard of organizations failing because they had a lack of leadership, but I've never heard of one failing because there was too many. And I think that's our goal. Right. Is to model leadership and create leaders throughout our organization going to kind of rewind. You, you said earlier, like I, I can hear people saying, Casey, like treating people and valuing people is really good when I've got five people. But what happens when I get 40 to 100?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Part of the work I do is um, what, what many people would call coaching. I call it a thinking partner where I just meet and we just talk through things, whatever it is you got going on. We just talk through and we solve immediate problems and so forth. One of the individuals that I'm speaking with is saying to me, like, like, Casey, my team is really large. How do I connect with everybody throughout my team? And I say, your influence is going to look different for each person on the team. For the folks that report directly to you, that influence is going to look different to someone that reports to someone who reports to someone who then reports to you. So it's imperative, though, that you have leaders throughout that organization. That The person that that individual reports to needs to be a leader. You need to be hiring leaders. Like, if you, I won't get on the soapbox, but have we even thought about what the hiring process looks like? We don't hire leaders. People become supervisors because they were super workers. Mm-hmm. They did their job really, really well. So we naturally say, man, you did your job really good. Now you're a supervisor. Man, they may have no supervisory skills at all. They may not be able to have a conversation. They may have no patience. Just because they created a product really well doesn't mean that they're a supervisor. Okay, I'll get off my...
2: I just wrote down, hiring leaders, episode number two.
1: Yeah, I just think (laughs) it's so imperative, right? That the entire hiring process. Now I'm gonna get emails from HR folks, but <laughs> uh, I do I do think we're missing opportunities to truly understand how to hire how to hire leaders. Mm-hmm. I think I think we're missing the opportunity there. And our people inside of our organizations are paying the price.
2: Absolutely. For sure. And the whole organization pays the price. And then your stakeholders pay the price and then the community pays the price.
1: Yeah, it keeps going, mm-hmm. truly.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Before I launch into some rapid fire questions with oh you here, oh boy, prepare yourself. Oh boy. I did want to just say I really enjoy your LinkedIn posts in the format you use. You often write, "Dear me," yeah, and then you leave a message and you sign it off, "Sincerely, me."
1: Yes, yes.
2: And uh, it's a clever, and I, I like that. It just—I'm just, just going to leave this little nugget here. And so, one I saw recently, I wondered if you'd just briefly unpack it. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to read it to you here. Okay. This was, this was just posted a couple days ago. Dear me, Yeah. good leaders choose honor over personal gain. Yeah. Sincerely me. Yeah. And I feel like everything we've talked about can come back around to this in that I know many entrepreneurs get started for personal gain.
0: Mm-hmm. That
2: literally is their number one motivation. But everything we've talked about here is about... Pouring back into your team and modeling and being a good leader, but this word honor sticks out to me. So I'm gonna read it one more time. And I'd like you to comment on it. Dear me, good leaders choose honor over personal gain. Sincerely, me.
1: Yeah, and I don't, I don't think that means that personal gain is bad, right? Again, it's not one or the other. Um, what happens though is occasionally situations arise. Whereas leaders, we, we've we got to make a choice. And it's about shining the light on us. It's about putting ourselves in the position for the promotion. It's about um, getting our name in lights. It's about, uh, you know, you know where I'm going.
2: Mm-hmm. Landing the next client yeah. or whatever
1: it is. Yeah. Or it's about living a life of honor where where maybe... Maybe your name doesn't get put in print. Someone else's does. Um, maybe it's doing what's right without anybody ever knowing. Like I could take this step and everyone's going to know who I am and everyone on LinkedIn's going to talk about me and there are going to be podcasts and interviews and so forth. Or I could take this journey, this step, and I'm going to impact one life. One life. Um, which do you choose? Which do you choose? I I think one of the greatest lessons I ever learned is that um, you can have anything that you want as long as you're willing to sacrifice for it. Truly, you can have anything you want as long as you identify what you have to give up to have it.
0: Hmm.
1: And if you want a life of significance, and I use that in terms of this word honor, if you want a life of significance, of impact, of honor, then sometimes you're going to have to sacrifice personal gain. You're going to have to sacrifice um, the things that the world tells you is absolutely valuable. The, The real estate, right? We measure, so often, we measure success by square footage. Oh, for sure. I wonder what it would look like if we could mobilize an army of leaders that measured success by the impact we have on the hearts of other individuals more than square footage. That's really uh, at the crux of of that post.
2: Mm-hmm. So good,
1: thank you. And I'll tell you, uh, that's interesting. I, I get a lot of comments about the "Dear Me" um, post. I think it's maybe a little bit unique on
2: yeah. on LinkedIn. Good, stop the scroll. I like it.
1: Uh, well, you know where it came about is I was going, I was fanning through and. LinkedIn and all social media and everyone's an expert everyone's got this deep dark secret that's going to absolutely change uh, the world and so forth and I just at that moment felt like I don't want to be that person I think I want to help I want to impact lives I told you like I measure success by how we impact the lives of other people but I also did want to just be this same voice um, that's telling you, look how much I've figured out, because I feel like I'm still growing. I feel like I've still got so many flaws and I'm still making so many mistakes. And uh, so it really was a diary to me. Those Dear Me posts are very personal. Uh, every one of them uh, are very, very personal to me. I've even thought of taking them and breaking them down and writing about them in a blog or something in long form about what I was going through um, when I when I write them and, and what I was thinking about um, when I was writing. So that when you read those, they're very much a journal, a diary to myself.
2: I like it. It's yeah, beautiful. thank you. Thank you. Are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Rapid fire
1: uh, I don't know if I'm ready, right? But you got. let's try this. Now have you I, I think did you say this is the first time?
2: It was going to be but
1: you did do it with someone we else. We
2: did do it with someone else since we had our we had to reschedule this because of a snowstorm. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So now I'm a little practiced, but you're still in the, in the dark. Okay. okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. This one's fun since you just are embarking on owning your own business. What do you think is the biggest misconception about owning a business?
1: That you have to know everything before you start. Mm. I, th- I think um, just take step one. Step two will show itself when it's ready, right? I think a lot of times we, we, we. By the way, do my answers have to be rapid fire, or can I talk a little bit? You do your
2: thing.
0: Okay,
1: I didn't know if I needed to just you know what. You no,
0: know, you're give your good. Quick uh,
1: yeah, I think I think having to know everything uh, before you get started. I think I think um, just get started.
2: Love it. Just get started, like you did. Yes. You I got a message from you. I think it was. Yeah. And I did a little happy dance. I'm like,
1: yes, he just yeah. got started. Yeah.
2: It's good. What is an important piece of advice you have been given and actually did apply to your business?
1: That's interesting. I'm just starting.
2: Right. I know. I'm like, this is very interesting.
1: I'm just starting. So I, I in all honesty, it would it would be kind of the same thing of quit waiting. What are you waiting on? And, and and that message, for any, you know, entrepreneurs that are out there listening, I, I had heard that message. It felt like it was coming from every direction in my life.
0: Mm.
1: So uh, f- so you'll understand, folks. I, I teach leadership workshops, and I was teaching a workshop inside of a community. And, um, you know, f- I had several folks that were returning, that had come through several workshops that were back at another one. And I said to them at that time, hey, this is my last one. Uh, I've taken another job. I was moving on inside of corporate America where I'm not going to be in the classroom anymore. I'm going to be doing some other things. And I don't even know how many people came up to me and said, no, you can't stop. Like, you have to be doing this. This is what you're this is what you're supposed to do. I don't say that uh, to sound egotistical in any way. It's those nudges that happen in our lives that I think we need to pay attention to. Uh, likewise, it had been happening in other aspects of my life. I could go back to 2014 when I retired, and I was going through a class on how to transition out of the military. And a guy said to me, I can see you as a consultant one day. Hmm. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? But it's taken that journey. So all of those folks speaking into my life, telling me, stop waiting, go. Now's the time. Uh, Go. And I I finally, I'll tell you, I, I took a new role and I knew within a week and a half to two weeks that I was leaving. It was time. Yeah. I just knew now is the time. If I don't do it now, I never will.
2: It's awesome. What would you tell your eighteen year old self knowing what you know now?
1: Oh my goodness gracious. Uh well first of all, I'd be afraid of my eighteen year old <laughs> self. Uh he he wasn't uh he wouldn't listen anyway. Right. He wouldn't listen anyway. Um what would I tell him? Um I, I'm I'm this weird guy, I guess, in that uh I I I wouldn't change anything. Everything I've gone through has led me to this point. So I wouldn't say like hey take school more seriously. No, I think I I had to go through the struggles of school to finally get it right and get my bachelor's get my master's degree. You know what that does? That allows me to speak to people that are struggling mm-hmm. finding their way. I wouldn't I wouldn't tell myself um Hey, figure it out before 23. Because I, I can look at people who are struggling at 21 and 22 years old and say, it's okay. Yeah. You're going to figure it out. Um, the advice I would give, I guess, is uh, just keep going. Just keep moving. No changes. Just keep going. It'll all work out.
2: Yeah. Spoiler alert. You make it.
1: You make it. <laughs> you make it.
2: What's your favorite kickback and relax beverage?
1: So I'm a pretty simple guy. I drink I drink Coke for breakfast, lunch and dinner. All right. Um that's pretty much uh pretty much it for me. Coke. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Is there a song, book or podcast right now that's inspiring to you?
1: Yeah, I'm reading I'm reading a book called Change Your World by John Maxwell. John is a mentor to me. I Uh, A a lot of folks, you know, I think you have to find that voice that resonates with you uh, and stick to them. John is the voice inside my head. When I speak about leadership, when I wonder how I should handle a situation or whatever the case may be, it's John Maxwell that I hear. He said once the greatest honor he could have is you not knowing if you're saying what you feel. Or what he has said to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, that's very true in my life. I, I don't know anymore. I've lost track. Of w- where John is at. And where I'm at. Um, I, he means so much. He means so much uh, to me. Uh, joining the John Maxwell leadership team. Has literally changed my life. So uh, certainly the John Maxwell leadership podcast. I listen to. I listen to. And I read his his books. I happen to be listening to change your world right now, which is very interesting because it's 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 about helping all of us realize that we have the power to change our world, which I think kind of goes to what we've been talking about today.
2: Absolutely. What is something people often get wrong about you?
1: Um, I think a lot of it is the – when people hear that I was in the military, I think my brand and style of leadership does not go with the stereotypical brand and style of leadership that people put together with the military. I remember I went to an interview once, and uh, it was for a senior leadership position. I got the position, but they said to me, we're a little worried. You know, uh, where you were at in the military, I think you probably told people – uh, when to jump, and they said how high. Mm. And that's just not the culture we want here. And and I was like, man, I'm not going to have everybody running around doing push-ups. Like, I, <laughs> uh, my my stage of life now, if I never do another push-up, I'm going to be good to go. I, I'm not, that's all gone. And and I think people misunderstand that just like corporate America, in the military, there's a various styles of leadership. There's folks that do it right, and there's folks that do it wrong. Uh, but I think there's certainly a stereotype that comes with uh, having a military background being in the industry of leadership.
2: That makes sense. yeah I can see that. What excites you most about the future?
1: Well, listen i I'm just embarking on this on this calling to to mobilize leaders in every industry across our country to impact the lives of individuals what What excites me? Is meeting people like, like you, um, that are awakening to this idea that we can truly, I can truly have make a change. I remember in class, I said to the class, um, "If if I hope you've all enjoyed the course, I hope you've learned something." But I want to speak to the person that heard that whisper. If you heard the whisper, that that voice inside of you that says. Um, there's more. Like, I I, I can impact lives at a, in a different way um, than I want to talk with you. I want to connect with you. And I'd say that now to the audience. If you're listening to this and you you hear that whisper and you're saying, like, I, I want to impact people more, can I give my email address? Re- reach out to me Absolutely. at Casey at Casey dot com and let's connect. You... Stayed after class, Vivian, and said, like, I heard a whisper, right? And that's what excites me, is connecting with people that are dedicated to changing our world, that are dedicated to impacting the lives of other people. Maybe that ends up being five of us. Yeah. Maybe not. Um, but seeing where that where that goes is exciting to me.
2: I thought people were going to rush you. Yeah. I was like, I got to get up there quick or I'll lose my nerve, you know? Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was really neat. I appreciate that. Okay, last one. You ready for this one? Sure. What can business owners do to make the world a better place?
0: Hmm.
1: Um, I I think just own the, accept and, and embrace the opportunity to impact people's lives. Certainly, certainly, uh, Get your product out there. Your service out there. Uh, Certainly. uh, Earn the money you need to earn. To live the life that you absolutely deserve. But every human interaction. Is an opportunity to add value. Now some will look different than others. Right. But every person that walks in your door. Employee or customer. Is an opportunity to have an impact. On that person's life. Just. Just own that. Take time to recognize the opportunity when it shows itself. Some interactions will happen and there's no opportunity to really dive in, to give them extra time, to listen, to care. And that's fine. You move on and it was a positive interaction. But there's other times where the world opens up a door and it's an opportunity for you to pour in that person's life based off of the experiences that you have had. To me, that's a miracle. People say, you know, miracles don't happen anymore. And I say, man, if, if what I've gone through in life can somehow show itself one day where an individual crosses my path and my experiences speak to what they're going through at the moment, that's a miracle to me. That's awesome. And I, and I think just accepting and um, being open to that opportunity to impact people's lives is what I would encourage all of us to do.
2: Well, Casey. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for being my thinking partner. Yes, thank you. Just for bringing value and raising up leaders and very excited to see where your journey goes.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah,
2: thanks for being here today. Thanks.
0: Riding Tandem is recorded on location at the studios on South 4th in Council Bluffs, Iowa, in cooperation with Todd Studer Productions.